0: Welcome to the Voices in Recovery podcast. Voices in Recovery is produced by Freedom's Path Recovery Society, a registered Canadian charity. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider a donation at www.freedomspathrecoverysociety.ca. All donations go directly to assisting Freedom's Path in providing services free of charge and helps us keep the podcast going. We are grateful for any and all donations. This podcast discusses difficult topics such as childhood abuse, drug and alcohol use, sexuality, sexualized trauma, and more. If you are under the age of 18, please speak with your legal guardian prior to listening. The opinions expressed during the podcast are those of the individual, and not those of Voices in Recovery or Freedom's Path Recovery Society. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. This podcast is being recorded on the traditional land of the
1: Blackfoot Confederacy. This consists of the Kainai, Pekani, Siksika, and the Black
2: Sea in the U.S. We acknowledge the Stony Nakota, which consists of the Bearspaw, Morley, and Chinooki. We acknowledge the Satina, who are Dene, and the Metis, Inuit, status and non status from all of Turtle Island, and those who are visited. We are all treaty people.
1: Josh, uh, welcome. Thank you for coming.
0: I'm trying to, trying to make this as impromptu as possible. I had kind of some notes mm-hmm. on my phone. so
1: That's all good. And, and really, you just tell your story. Yeah. And as you go along, I'm sure I'll have questions because I usually do. I'm not super smart. So asking questions helps. So
0: <laughs> I can be a bit of an anxious type, but usually once okay. I get into the, the, the row of things, I'm, I'm good. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Right on. You start wherever you like, sir. Because I think we were talking about the, our coming out stories, right? And yeah. one of the things I really want to try to highlight more of in the long run is those are those stories, right? For sure. Because they are so like intricately woven, and some of the fantasies that we have had to live
0: mm-hmm.
1: become such a part of like our, our growth, right? For sure. So yeah, thank you. Thanks again for coming.
0: For sure. Um, I, I might throw a few wrenches into this and see if you're, you're okay with things. I, I like I, wrenches. I, I, I feel like my story has a, a bunch of um, kind of intersectionality between mm-hmm. my religious upbringing mm-hmm. um, and certain kinds of trauma. And I feel uh, I, I might go a little bit into some of my religious upbringing as a bit of kind of uh, history.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, to, and, and you and I both know how much that might play a role. Right in our sure. lives, and so of course that's a that's open territory. Cool. cool. Hopefully, it's okay if I make terrible jokes about like religion <laughs> at times because I still do that. I, I haven't uh, quite mastered the art of just being like letting things go.
0: <laughs> and and I, I definitely want to re- return to that point later because mm-hmm. that's a that's a, a key part to um, just finding peace in the end mm-hmm. and how I found that peace. Okay. Um, I have kind of listened to a a, a, a bunch of that you you've mm-hmm. uh, had on your podcast before and um, very much I've never been through any sort of formal um, program or anything mm-hmm. um, and definitely had aspects of um, addiction in my past mm-hmm. but you know it kind of kind of to my benefit my biology of my body doesn't really uh, allow for me to get deep into addiction because I also have a lot of anxious mm-hmm. energy. And it seemed whenever I would get deep into something, my anxiety would start kicking up ah, hardcore. Okay. Yep. And it was always a self-limiting factor mm-hmm. to how, how deep I could get into alcoholism or mm-hmm. anything like that. So, in so that
1: anxiety life, kind of saves <laughs> you a little bit of trouble.
0: Yeah, for sure. Wow, that's sure. amazing, man. Um, <laughs> Glad to hear it. Um, but... Um, and also, there's, there, there has been different ways in, uh, I'm, I'm not sure, I'm sure you'll be cool with this, but um, different ways of talking about substances mm-hmm. can be triggering to people. But mm-hmm. sometimes I have an alternate look on substances where I see them as teachers mm-hmm. along the way. Yeah. Um, and there can be just like, I'm not sure there's too many redeeming factors about alcoholism in terms of the damage it can do, mm-hmm. but other types of hallucinogenic substances that can put you in various change change your outlook on things mm-hmm. and help you see your life in different ways has done quite a lot. If you're looking for kind of the stoic approach to mm-hmm. life, to seeing um, how how these things can guide you on your journey,
1: mm-hmm. that's interesting because we were just talking about that before you got here. Actually, we were talking about the this movement towards that yeah. which I think is about time like yeah. and in terms of that like because' I'm, I'm a person who's been diagnosed with severe depressive disorder and I'm recently an anxiety disorder as well when I said earlier anxiety helped you not get into substances mm-hmm. I did not mean to make it sound like anxiety is not a hard thing to deal with mm. okay I just mm-hmm. want to make sure of that because I mean it is something that I am personally learning is is absolutely debilitating Mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so the one doesn't necessarily make life better without the other, but of course there's yeah. more complications the more sure. things we add. In.
0: in an amusing way, I was always looking for the thing that would, like, it was very much a dragon chasing its tail, mm-hmm. in that I would be feeling anxious, and I'd be looking for a way to get rid of the anxiety in a substance that would get rid of it, which would then cause more anxiety. Yeah, so, once it
1: wears off, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. and so what what we were talking about was the transition from like SNRIs or whatever they are mm-hmm. called, whatever, antipsychotics, into more natural stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, and I was telling him that some of the people I work with, clients, mm-hmm. they microdose, and in their process, it helps them unearth traumas and look at them differently. For that's sure. just one thing that I've noticed, right?
2: For sure.
1: Um, so yeah, please carry on. I just wanted, to, I wanted you to know that's <laughs> totally okay. Everything is on limits. Cool. Yeah, I mean, unless you start bashing people, then it might be hard, but (laughs) I don't get that impression.
0: Yep, yep. No worries there. Um, uh, Just a a preface to this as well is um, kind of like, um, I always used to uh, compare my trauma to other people Mm. in a way that I very much saw my trauma as being less than, like even listening to some of the podcasts Mm. that you've done with, so people just like unimaginable mm-hmm. levels of shit that they've had to deal with, mm-hmm. and in in a way, I'd always um, kind of say that or tell myself that I didn't have the right to feel hard done to, mm-hmm. or or that um, yours
1: wasn't as bad.
0: Yeah, so yeah. I should be doing I should be doing better, and I should just be feeling lucky that i didn't have it as mm-hmm. bad as these other people but um there's a group that um i went to or that uh we started going to me and my husband uh, a while back and we're part of the we we were part of the atheist community mm-hmm. <laughs> that that might be i'm not sure if we'll ever get that far but in a funny way we got ostracized from the atheist community because really? we are trying to have uh conversations about sp- specific topics and they weren't mm. really wanting to engage in skeptical ways which mm. is ironic because atheists are supposed to be more in tune with the skeptical way of thinking mm. and they often aren't <laughs> yeah well that's that's a, that's a hard fact that i've, I've yeah come because over. sometimes
1: skepticism just leads to judgment right
0: yeah people will will think that they're acting skeptically but mm. in terms of true skepticism and it might be there's a, there's a funny uh, there's a no true Scotsman fallacy. I'm not sure if you ever heard of that one. I haven't. But nope. it's kind of the idea that you, everyone will say they're the they're the true they're the true skeptic. Mm-hmm. But I would argue, or or is kind of like Christians will say, well, maybe that person's not a true Christian if mm-hmm. if they're they're not acting the way that. Oh, uh, I've they, heard that so think. many times. Yeah,
1: <laughs> they're just not acting like a good.
0: Christian. But uh, but when it comes to skepticism skepticism, the idea is you're approaching things from a state of being all right with the fact that you do not know, mm-hmm. and you you get to the place where you actually enjoy that. And mm. that's not our default place no. in our society. It is the idea that if we don't know something, it's kind of seen that we're incompetent mm-hmm. or, um, or, or, the, or the idea that um, you don't have it all together, mm-hmm. I guess. And once you get to a place of seeing that you don't know, you, you then be, can become curious of the things that you want to learn mm-hmm. from a, a state of uh, humility. Mm-hmm. And that's that's really the only way that you can go about things. Mm-hmm.
1: I agree. And skepticism, healthy skepticism is important, mm-hmm. right? Like of everything. Yep. Especially, think, I mean, I know at some point we, we do have to trust stuff, but at the same point, we can still be skeptical, For sure. right? And be right. like, okay, like, because I know there's lots of people skeptical about the police. Well, mm-hmm. you still have to kind of trust them, right? Sure. Be skeptical because that's going to lead us to discourse, which will lead us to change, For right? Sure. Yeah, For sure. I think it's important, vital.
0: For sure. Yeah. So anyways, I, I digress. Uh, there was a, a group that we started going to, which is called Living about, Living Without Religion. Mm-hmm. And it was supposed to, it's helping people um, kind of deconvert or... Or people that were deconverting, it was basically uh, a group therapy mm-hmm. type set okay.
1: format. Was it su- pretty supportive?
0: Yeah, for sure. Right. For on. sure, in all all different types of walks of life, um, ex-Muslims, uh, ex-Sikh, mm-hmm. uh, Christian, etc. So there was a, a di- diverse crowd, and um, definitely,
1: you would get some really good discourse in that room. I bet. For sure. Yeah. Right on.
0: In in an in a interesting way in talking, i like to, hopefully we can re- return to this topic later, but it's the idea that, and it, it is a very important, is how we deal with trauma mm-hmm. and how we frame our trauma and how we get past that. Mm-hmm. The, the most, one of the cool things that that group helped me see about, or <laughs> maybe we just talk about it now, mm-hmm. but it is just kind of like, um, one of the ways that, I saw that group helping me is I would talk about my story and when you're reliving that story again you feel the emotions coming up mm-hmm. and and you can feel the adrenaline and you can feel you just go uh, kind of wa- away from some of those meetings they it's good but it's also quite raw in mm-hmm. the end but then the more you go to that group and the more you tell your story you actually find yourself in an interesting way, getting bored of telling that story. Mm -hmm. And that is actually progress Mm -hmm. in a way that you might not know it's progress because um, when you're telling the story, those emotions are coming up. But boredom is the opposite of feeling triggered Mm -hmm. by those emotions. And if you can get to a place where um, your, your trauma doesn't have that same effect on you when mm-hmm. it comes up. Yeah. That that is basically you coming to terms with uh, a certain level of that being all right. Mhm. That that thing happened. You come to
1: understanding in a different way, right? Mhm. Yeah. For sure.
0: And it might not even be understanding in a different way, it might just be the fact that you you've you t- touched that territory rather than it living in some mm-hmm. area of your head that you're scared to get close to. Yeah. Um, but what I'd find in that group is people would, um, they would get to these topics and I'm a, I'm a bit of of an informal Buddhist student these days. Mm -hmm. And, um, I've embraced a, a, a bit of theory and done a a fair share of meditation and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But one of their ideas and Buddhist thought is this idea of ringing the bell Mm -hmm. And ringing the bell is when one of those triggering events comes up. Ringing the bell is feeling that that situation over again and thinking about all the different ways that you get to feel like you are violated in that mm-hmm. moment. And um, it triggers a type of rage in you that that thing happened. Mm-hmm. And when you ring the bell, you are reliving that and getting angry over it again. And it's the idea that in any given moment when something happens, um, it can be, we're actually only able to stay mad for a moment. Mm -hmm. Say say you just got an argument with somebody and then um, afterwards you go away and you start ruminating about that thing. You're able I never to do that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it never happens to me. <laughs> yeah.
0: You're able to, but you're able to stay mad for hours afterwards. Mm-hmm. And the reason that is, is you keep on ringing the bell over and over again, mm-hmm. because you keep on having that conversation over again. Yeah. And if you're able to recognize that that is what you're doing, you can then step outside of that loop mm-hmm. and stop being angry again where I see sometimes these, uh, what would happen in this group, what would happen is somebody would start talking about somebody and they would start ringing the bell and they get angry mm-hmm. over it again. And that is possibly a form of therapy that is not good because you're learning to now be able to, instead of ring the bell, be able to sidestep that process mm-hmm. and be able to be okay with what happened. Mm-hmm. And possibly, um, see that when you are ringing the bell, it is an invitation to step outside that process and look at it in a different way, mm-hmm. such that you will not get triggered about it mm-hmm. in the future.
1: And it's possible, like for 100% sure. possible, because sure. we, we do it all the time.
0: For sure, for yeah. sure. Um, so one of the one of the excellent takeaways that I did have from this group, though, returning to me minimizing my own trauma, mm-hmm. was the idea that I would always preface the statement, I, I love prefacing statements, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is the idea that I know somebody else has it worse than me, but, and then I'd go on to say my thing. Mm-hmm. And then somebody finally, somebody interrupted me and said, don't minimize your trauma like mm-hmm. that. What you experienced is a very real thing, and just because somebody else has it worse doesn't make your story any less valid. Mm-hmm. Very true. And it, in a weird way, it just takes somebody, some random individual mm-hmm. to tell you the thing that you need to hear. Mm-hmm. And it lets I no I no longer do that and mm-hmm. I, I'm very much know that my story counts and mm-hmm. and kind of being able to embody that in a way that um, I can move forward.
1: Mm-hmm. Right on. Because it does sure. count. For sure, for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. Um so in a way, being here is as much for me as it is for possibly my story might resonate with mm-hmm. other people. It's it's knowing getting to speak speak about these things is is very much therapy for all of us mm-hmm. together to be I able agree. to.
1: I agree. I've definitely felt like it's therapy all these years. For sure. <laughs> for me. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Selfishly and for Darcy. Darcy finally gets the free therapy he's always needed. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, for oh, sure. So, I'll, I'll take a just a a brief d- detour again to my my religious upbringing. Mm-hmm. I was um, raised in a Pentecostal Christian family. Um, not sure how familiar you are with the Pentecostals.
1: I get them all mixed up together because <laughs> they all seem like a ho- like a porridge to me. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, my ignorance is obvious. Yeah,
0: yeah, and and for the listeners, mm-hmm. um, so Pentecostals are kind of seen as some of the more out there crazy, crazy, crazy types, maybe. Mm. Um, but there, there's like um, you have kind of the Baptists and some of the Alliance would be seen possibly as some of the more conservative of mm. of them, but they're still under the evangelical umbrella. So they're still even more liberal than some of the more mainstreams, mm-hmm. but I think Alliance goes further towards the main mainstream than Baptists. But mm-hmm. some of, it's always interesting some of the differences or key things that were uh, the 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 things that people split straws over that they mm-hmm. want to go and start their own new brand, mm-hmm. which is um, it was as I understand it, is some of it, some of it is probably. Biblical theology and, and interpretations of certain things, but mm-hmm. another part of it was this interpretation of the the, the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. and how the Holy Spirit works in the church was some of the key key aspects. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in Pentecostalism, there is the belief that um, the Holy Spirit uh, anoints those who believe with um, spiritual gifts. Mm-hmm. And those spiritual gifts will um, be in the form of uh, speaking in tongues, prophecy, um, healing, and I was uh, amused by this one: snake, snake charming. Oh my God!
1: <laughs> snake charmers. <laughs> I, I've
0: never seen it. And it might not be entirely within North American culture, but uh, it is. That is a, a, a great one.
1: <laughs> that's a gooder um, <laughs> sorry sorry to any snake charmers out there <laughs> my bad
0: <laughs> so in my church God or just in the culture of growing up God is always portrayed as being very interactive mm-hmm. and and be, not being a God that has like gone away for 2000 years and mm-hmm. Uh, we have to go through the priest to be able to access him. Is very uh, the opposite, where um, after the usual format of the service, service would be kind of do pr- uh, singing time, bit of introductions, sermon, and then afterwards would be kind of at the altar, mm-hmm. a prayer and worship sessions. Mm-hmm. And then at these prayer and worship sessions would be the time that people ship was start getting crazy, mm-hmm. which would be everyone would start feeding off of each other's emotional energy around mm-hmm. that time. and then just the the type of meditation, their own own kind of form of meditation, mm-hmm. which would be getting into speaking in tongues and um, these other sorts of things like falling over, mm-hmm. being slain in the spirit uh type things and um I was I was always um wanting to understand what was going on there because I I within me I didn't really feel what was going on there. Mm-hmm. And I I very much analytical mind um people watcher mm-hmm. so I I was very fine-tuned to be observing what was going on. And um, so um, a a a funny version of this, though, is I remember in one of these sessions being with, I think my mom was nearby, and um, somebody would just start speaking quite loudly over top of everyone else. Mm -hmm. And it would be words that were... It was not speaking in tongues. It was very much a, some, it was English of sorts. Mm-hmm. Um, but what they were saying kind of made sense, but didn't make sense. And mm-hmm. I asked my mom, like, what is going on here? And she described that this person had the gift of prophecy and was speaking prophetic things some in that scary moment. shit,
1: man. <laughs> How
0: and, old were you? Uh, kind of 10, 11 ish, yeah. probably.
1: That kind of stuff is scary to me still, let alone then. Yeah.
0: In, I'm I'm not sure if I had this at that moment or those thoughts around that moment, but I'm of the idea like, holy shit, God is speaking through this person. Mm-hmm. We should be recording down what God is saying through this mm-hmm. person because this is probably something that we should be paying attention to.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But the amusing, <laughs> the amusing thing is. Yeah nobody was doing that. Mm-hmm. And it more so just added to the ambience of the room. Of
1: mm. So much of the ritual does that, right? Like it yeah. creates that emotional entanglement for people to get like switched on to the same thing, right? For sure. Yeah, for sure, very purposeful.
0: But very much that thing, watching the disconnect between what people are saying this is about mm-hmm. and then seeing that, that's not actually what it's about. Mm-hmm. Analytical mind of Josh is being like something's not connecting the mm-hmm. dots here. Yeah. Um, and then would cue on to me wanting to experience this slain in the spirit experience because you can see people falling over and feeling, looking quite blissful mm-hmm. um, and it kind of, I see this now as my my journey to trying to um, validate what is going on here. If I tell my story to somebody else that, that that that's not a Pentecostal, they'll say finding the way to find God is not through that process. Mm-hmm. It's through some other thing. But it just happened to be in the context of the the kind of um, culture that I was in. That mm-hmm. that was what what was most prominent at that time. So that was my strategy of kind of figuring out, uh, validating these beliefs that I've been told my entire mm-hmm. life are true. So I kind of went through this this journey of trying to do all the things that I was supposed to be doing to make sure I was right with God so God would show himself to me. Mm-hmm. And in, in terms of uh, kind of like Biblical or uh, scripture is is kind of like the idea that um, God will just ask God to show himself to you and he'll show himself to you. Mm-hmm. So it was pretty straightforward. And I didn't think that there was anything that was wrong with me that he would not be doing this thing. Mm-hmm. So it always was a bit weird that the things weren't really... Um, making sense or or it, it, it wasn't very forthcoming. Mm-hmm. And then um, it would get to the point where I would be praying around the altar and it's the idea that I would have people surrounding themselves with their hands on me and I would be in this moment and there's a weird, I'm never, I'm always so self-aware of what is going on in that moment mm-hmm. that I would be thinking about the interestingness of everyone with their hands around me, and I would not be in the state of mind to be, like, conducive to be having mm-hmm. a religious experience. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't know how to get out of that, and I don't think that that is any fault of m- myself.
1: No, I think it's probably that that uh, socialization to that, right? Where you think it's normal.
0: hmm mm-hmm. For sure. Um, and then kind of move on to Bible camp. hmm and there's always interesting that there's different degrees of like the um, Pentecostals would, would say God's available and you just go you need to go to the altar to find them. But it is always interesting, depending on where you go it's very situational dependent, mm-hmm. that is kind of like you introduce a little bit of uh, sleep deprivation and mm-hmm. um, just more people. And then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit just becomes a whole lot more powerful all of a sudden, just mm-hmm. because that had the situation changes, yeah. which is also amusing because God should be the same regardless of any setting that you're in mm-hmm. if this is what's going on.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair.
0: But there was kind of a, a a breaking point where I was at this Bible camp and there, there was some people from my church there. And I just remember them all there and praying for me. And in that moment, there was kind of an expectation that I would fall over and do the thing. And I, I eventually did fall over, but it was more so just, uh, uh, it's a bit fuzzy, but it was kind of like, I'm pretty sure I just did that to get everyone off off mm-hmm. me because I was the center of this, what was mm-hmm. going on there.
1: Well, I can relate to that. I know there's lots of stuff that I did as a kid in mm-hmm. Sunday school, and church, just mm-hmm. to get people to leave me alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, s- still do it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, so, and then I remember going away from that as just the absurdity of the moment. Mm-hmm. It wasn't one of peace, and it wasn't one of I now see things clearly. Um, and I I never thought that there was anything wrong with me. I I know God would not create me as an individual that happened to be um, not somehow created in such a way that I wouldn't be able to receive this experience if this is what is required for me to understand what God is. Mm -hmm. Why would God create somebody who is not capable Mm -hmm. of having that experience to understand who he is? Mm -hmm. So it just kind of adds or contributes on to this idea that um, possibly the things that people are telling me are not true. Mm -hmm. And it would kind of cue on to my phase of starting to ask questions,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, I'm unfortunately somebody who processes everything by talking to people, and um, those questions are not exactly welcome mm-hmm. uh, when they start questioning the very foundation foundational beliefs mm-hmm. of people that have, who have lived this their entire lives, such as my mom mm-hmm. and her parents and other Christians. So. Mm-hmm. And then it would be a bit of a, a journey out of it where um, being able to get my own independence from that was a bit of a struggle and either lucky or unlucky. I had the type of parents that did not kick me out of the house mm-hmm. when I came out to them as an atheist. And this would be around the age of 15. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember my mom kind of breaking down Crying when I told her that I was an atheist, mm-hmm. and she she very much was saying, kind of, where did I go wrong? Where where mm. did I fail as a parent? And that that was just wow.
1: like, so much pressure, hey? <laughs> yeah. yeah, man.
0: <laughs> um, but I would be possibly of the idea of the the way that where you went wrong was you're not able to provide a suitable level of evidence mm. to suggest what you're believing is true, but mm-hmm. that, that's not yeah. exactly what my mom <laughs> would want to hear in that that's moment. That's fair.
1: Yeah, that's fair you didn't tell her that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> in an interesting way, my, my husband likes um, would sometimes refer to me as Sheldon from Big Bang Theory. I'm not <laughs> sure if you ever watched.
1: i I did watch a couple few of them, yeah. I'm not hundred percent familiar with the whole show, but I do know who Sheldon
0: is. I like to think he uh, think he he's referring to my intelligence, but uh, I think he is more <laughs> more so referring to my my social awkwardness. Oh okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> maybe both
0: though maybe both. maybe. Um, also, I'm a sarcastic motherfucker, mm. so. Uh, it's just, uh, I, sarcasm was often lost on Sheldon so yeah I, I don't see i don't see what he, what no, he's getting fair. at
1: yeah that's fair
0: <laughs> um but also i, I kind of had an ADHD diagnosis this year and i, I kind of always kind of of the artistic mindset and stuff mm-hmm. but i i, I kind of see all those those things kind of lining together to be just how i how I was created and programmed to Mm -hmm. be looking at things from a very analytical Mm -hmm. perspective, growing up and trying to figure things out. Mm -hmm. So now is actually a good time to possibly segue over to what this is (laughs) mainly about, which is the coming out story.
1: Yeah, but actually it's about all of it. Because I mean, there's, I think a good portion of, I obviously have not heard everyone's coming out story, but a good portion of those stories I have heard through the years they interlock with a lot of what we've already talked about, right? So, sure. I mean, to make it, to help people understand who didn't have to live a different way and then have to come out to be themselves, like, most people don't have to go through that, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's there's a lot of really tight strings attached to us from the time we're kids, right? Mm-hmm. Tight strings that keep us from coming out or keep us from moving forward. And some of those strings just happen to be religion, right? And there's sure. th- there's no way to separate the two. For Does sure. that mean that every person who is gay or LGBTQ or whatever yeah. um, ha- comes from religious, like, pain? No, mm-hmm. not at all. Because thankfully, thankfully, mm-hmm. not every child had to experience it that way. Sure. Did they experience their own kind of pain from other places? Absolutely, right? Sure.
0: And definitely uh, substance abuse and trauma mm-hmm. is, is the unfortunate Triangle in Mm -hmm. there.
1: It seems to be a part of it for sure. Yep. Yep.
0: Um, so So I I think the the very beginning of my my understanding of sexual identity kind of starts in in junior high and that's very much around the ages when kind of classmates are starting to be attracted to other classmates Mm -hmm. and start going to parties with girls and uh playing fun things like bottle games and mm-hmm. stuff like that um and um i i i remember uh there, there was a a fun time one of my best friends kind of um had rather large porn collection mm-hmm. and uh he had had a birthday party and we were over at his place and it just got to the place where or somehow we got into this game of just like sitting down certain individuals in front of the computer, and it got to be like a kind of gay straight test, where you'd mm. be going through these pictures, and then mm-hmm. judging people's reactions based on it.
1: Oh, wow, okay.
0: And in, in, in a funny way, I just, when pe- people put me on the spot about anything, I just smile anyways, and mm. kind of like giggle like a girl anyway, so... Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure if that was the correct response at the time, but <laughs> I, I don't think they, they judged me one way or another at mm-hmm. that time, but it was just kind of like, there was a certain time where I recognized that there was something different from me, from my mm-hmm. other friends, and there are just little little tidbits along the way of things like that that mm-hmm. I, I, I can recognize were kind of the foundational parts of recognizing that things are not quite, li- quite right. And some of the, I I talk about some of the religious things of Mm -hmm. me being in in an atmosphere of recognizing that there's something different about me Mm -hmm. that makes me different from the people around me. And there's a very strong parallel to my religious um, uh, kind of um, realizations and my my, uh, acceptance of myself of being gay realizations of, recognizing that there, are, there is something different about me and I, yeah. I need to go through this journey of figuring out what exactly that is. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also the idea of people not understanding as well mm-hmm. what is going on. And then n- to my own detriment in the religious frame, mm-hmm. I held no punches mm-hmm. along the way and I very much spoke what is. Thinking about and questioning about those things, where possibly in the gay mindset, I was a lot more hiding of things mm. along the way, because it would, it it did have to do more with my pure social group and mm-hmm. being accepted by those people. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't care so much about religion or the church mm-hmm. of people not not accepting me. Yeah, because so. you'd already
1: grown past that part of it, right?
0: For sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, So in an interesting way, I'd say one of the first glimpses into my, what would be hinting at my actual sexuality starts in in a math class Mm. and a teacher. And um, I remember this this teacher, bigger guy, burly guy, um, and I would actively make fun of him to my classmates Mm. on a regular basis. Um, for being fat. And I would also experience weird sensations being in this class Mm -hmm. and also very much getting erections at very Mm -hmm. odd times.
1: Mostly inopportune, from (laughs) what I remember. (laughs) Very inopportune.
0: Yes. And then having also a daydreamer so very much imagining all the different ways of having BDSM-type scenes with this teacher, mm-hmm. humiliating him in sexual ways, mm-hmm. um, and in, in a weird way at that time, I just kind of um, rationalized that as maybe I just really disliked this person mm-hmm. for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, But then, in some ways, I'd go away from that situation as well, thinking that maybe I'm some type of Mm Dexter-type individual that is, like, extremely fucked up and just wants to do things to Mm -hmm. people and really not understanding what's going on with that -hmm. that situation. Um, And then this would be right around the time of internet, internet, um dial-up coming into mm. you know, I'm a bit of a computer savvy individual so okay. um, before even before the the age of kind of websites there were these things called news groups and mm-hmm. uh, news groups is basically like a, a for a forum type format where you can post picture or post post messages download messages and and share images and stuff like that mm-hmm. um, and I had a news group uh, reader, that would um, it was kind of like a way where you could just pull down all the images from a specific type of news group, mm-hmm. and there there would be news groups for every single interest under the sun. You could have a knitting, a knitting news group, if mm-hmm. you, and be part of part of that. If right you on um, the
1: early internet.
0: Yep, yep, for sure. Um, but I came across certain uh, news groups for kind of older, chubbier men. Mm -hmm. And I would be recognizing that I would be pulling down those images and I would have a folder for those images. Mm -hmm. And then I also had a folder of girls. And that was the folder that I was supposed to, like if I was supposed to be getting off, Mm -hmm. that was the folder that I was supposed to be getting off. But if I actually wanted to get the job done, I'd go to the guy folder. Mm -hmm and then I'd get the job done. And then I'd go and delete that folder out of shame. Mm-hmm. And it was empty recycling bin, not gonna do do, do that again, and just kind of like go away from it and, and feel a little bit gross mm-hmm. about yourself. And then sometimes repeat that same process the same day. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a interesting way, thankfully, I. Had the process automated, so mm. I could I could repeat that process um, uh, at regular intervals without too much effort. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, what a heavy weight to carry just to get off, hey? For like sure. What a lot of pain to go through.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm.
0: And there, there, there's definitely all the kind of like always thinking, what, what if it, anyone finds this, mm-hmm. and um, just that that shame that went on on there um and and yeah so that was that was kind of the the intro into recognizing that there was sexual interest there besides the math teacher Mm -hmm. that kind of was bringing hints to this is what my attraction is but in a weird way even then it's always interesting how we're able to lie to ourselves mm-hmm. in in ways and it is it's kind of like there's there's a bright realization there of you are you're gay and you're possibly gay and you need to recognize that fact but at no point did i ever embody that label mm-hmm. or understand what that label is even though when my porn collection was obviously suggesting such Mm -hmm. things. Yeah. Um, So it it came to be a a point where on one of these pictures of the guy collection, there would be a link on the photo. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And I'm not sure how long it took me to be before I typed in the link of this on this picture. And then it brought me to uh, a website uh, called Bigger City. Mm -hmm. And it was a website devoted to bears and Mm chubs community, and also chasers. And bears would be kind of your burly, hairy guys, Mm -hmm. larger. Chubs would be kind of sometimes be considered the the more hairless versions and sometimes bigger, bigger sets. And Mm -hmm. Uh, chasers would be the, the admirers, and mm-hmm. sometimes the smaller guys that are just interested in the, in these types of people. Mm-hmm. But uh, after going to that website, is a, a kind of light bulb turns on mm-hmm. of realizing that there are entire communities out there of people like me mm-hmm. that um, appreciate these things, and I'm not the only person that's the mm-hmm. freak in this world.
1: You're not a freak at all.
0: <laughs> For sure? Yeah. Not at all? Not at all. Um, and that even th- after learning of that fact, it, it's not just like, a, oh, I'll accept this now, mm-hmm. and this is who I am. There's a, a long process after that as mm-hmm. well. So it, it kind of, it helps me just a little bit, but then it goes on to be, so this this would be happening at a kind of an age around um, or grade grade eleven ish is kind of when when this is all going on. So go go from math teacher in grade eight nine and then learning about internet porn collections and then segue to. Segway to learning about bigger city and stuff around grade 11. And and this is kind of, um, or more so getting into grade 12, is kind of the idea that um, all, all my friends, it, 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 nobody was out in my, my high school mm-hmm. during that time. And it was, um, it was very much everybody would, would be calling each other gay and faggot and mm-hmm. homo and all the the shitty things that mm-hmm. kids would be doing around that time and it was definitely not acceptable. Mm-hmm. There would be kind of a few effeminate kids in high school that, that would, um, they of course would not be identifying as gay during that time and they mm-hmm. would be the ones who are picked on. Yeah. Um, and I... I remember during that time was kind of getting closer to kind of prom Mm -hmm. prom time graduation. And I I always did a good job of straight acting. And I'm not sure I, 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 I (laughs) possibly just, that's the way I present. It's not like I was something trying, trying Mm -hmm. to do that. So it was never really an issue on that front, Mm -hmm. but, um, I I was still overcompensating or feeling mm-hmm. like I need to overcompensate in some ways. And there there was this idea that I was thinking that I was going to be the only person at prom without a date. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of um I started to solve a problem that wasn't actually there. Mm-hmm uh, halfway through the year. And there, there was kind of a girl that was showing interest in me and I being analytical mind that I was solve this problem earlier on so I can have it as checked off the list Mm -hmm. and I I don't have to worry about it anymore. So I think a few months before prom, I asked this girl if she would go to the prom with me. Mm -hmm. And, um, in a way of not really Kind of b- being silly and not knowing what I was doing. Mm-hmm. That's basically the equivalent of asking her out if she mm-hmm. wants to be my For girlfriend sure. now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's right.
0: So um, I get to. I get to navigate the last few months of school in a kind of awkward way of. Uh, mm. um, I don't remember exactly what happened. I got through it, but I was just remember it being slightly awkward at the time. Mm-hmm. But in the most amusing way, that it was all my all my straight friends mm-hmm. were around a table, and none of them had dates. And then I was with this girl, my parents, and her parents. Mm-hmm. Extremely awkward. Super
1: awkward. <laughs> the parents came too? Yeah. Wow.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um And then just realizing that this was not a problem, and um, mm-hmm. it was it was more so more symptomatic of me trying to run away from something or tr- trying to convince something. Nobody else saw that at mm-hmm. that, that time, but I look back at it now as just being um, maladaptive patterns of me trying to deal with things. or Well, and
1: protective of yourself. Yep. Yeah.
0: For sure. Um, so then, it kind of... Um, I was always in an interesting way, I was kind of always the odd kid out and I didn't have th- problems being that person. I was kind of the token white kid in a group of Asian friends mm-hmm. and um, in a stereotypical form, all my Asian friends went to university <laughs> and I was the I did a few years of um, finding myself mm-hmm. Or did a year of finding myself, and which turned into multiple years of finding myself? Yeah,
1: I appreciate that. <laughs> 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 takes uh,
0: what it takes to find yourself. For sure. Um, and then, e- in a weird way, I know that there was a specific moment where there finally is the light bulb that goes off mm. that says, "I'm gay," and like all these things are pointing to it Mm -hmm. and that it seems like after that moment forward, um, I'm just able to embody that thing. Once you, you finally accept, you say Mm -hmm. that to yourself for the Mm -hmm. first time. Um, and there is something that's quite powerful about that and very much so quite freeing. Mm -hmm. Um, and there is kind of going through having those community online communities that mm-hmm. go a long way to help um, help you realize that you're not alone and mm-hmm. that there's other people out there.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. that's really cool. It's really actually, and it brings up like a cool point about the uh, the Fab, right? The Fellowship of Alberta Bears. For myself, personally, that has been the group one of the groups that has allowed me to okay okay i, I belong to if I want to like it's it's okay and not necessarily to that the fellowship doesn't mean I'm a bear. it just means that like for me, it was like an opening of okay, like if I am gay, mm-hmm. right, I have a right to be gay too, mm-hmm. right I don't have to look a certain way i'm not I don't have to act a certain way I don't have to I mean, that was obviously a big part of my overcompensation as I grew up, right, was in order to avoid detection, right, I must appear more masculine than everyone else around me, or at least as masculine, right, like in terms of Mm -hmm. some of the folks. But uh, um, when you said it's freeing, like how freeing it is, is just, it's amazing, Mm -hmm. right? Like how how free did it feel to you, the first man you met and, and was able to connect with?
0: Um... In an interesting way, that is actually, uh, another intersection with, um, substances Mm -hmm. where, and my anxiety, where Mm -hmm. I was such an anxious individual that, um, I, I couldn't, um, I couldn't go out to bars by myself. I always felt like I needed somebody else. So Mm -hmm. I, I always... Very much gravitated to online apps, mm-hmm. and I wanted to get to know people ahead of time through those, and then, um, but even that was that that was even after, so the, the, the relating it back to the actual uh, church situation mm-hmm. growing up, there there was kind of like the little click in church of kind of the outcasts that were not the not the really. Uh, really close to God just doing everything right group and then there's kind of mm-hmm. like the people that were still at church and um, a little bit of the outcast group and mm-hmm. I was naturally part of the outcast group but there was some a specific event that happened that kind of like everyone from the outcast group kind of went away
2: mm-hmm.
0: and unfortunately me being forced to go to church by my parents for a good number of years, mm-hmm. even after I didn't want to. It was kind of like everyone went away, and now mm-hmm. I get to continue going to church. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had a specific friend in this 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 group that kind of came to me kind of a little bit after this drama that happened mm-hmm. that everyone left, and he came to me and said that he, he is gay. And... Um, if that would be, if it, that would be awkward to me. Mm-hmm. And that was definitely at a point where I didn't accept myself at the time. It might mm-hmm. be a point where I was kind of processing things, but I, I remember telling him at that time, it would be awkward. Mm-hmm. And um, we have since patched things up and it's, it's fine, but I, I, mm-hmm. I still kick myself for saying that at that time because mm-hmm. it was a pretty douche douchebag thing to say at that time. And as well, more so sp- 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 spoke my own insecurities yeah. than anything else.
1: Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's just, it's one of those things. It's like, that's, again, self-protection, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, no, I can't face this right now. Like, mm-hmm. I, and, and that's understandable considering, mm-hmm. right, the circumstances. For
0: sure. um, but it would go on to be enter kind of year 2000-ish around that time, and rave days, uh, MDMA, entering the scene, mm. um, and, uh, I was going through a lot of period of depression and anxi- anxiety, during that time mm-hmm. of, uh, after, um, exiting high school and just that it was a, a, a lot of, a lot of darkness during that time. And I would be going through different merry-go-rounds of trying to find the right antidepressant mm-hmm. to be dealing with that. Um. And there's something to be said about having a support group Mm -hmm. around. And, um, I might be predisposed to having a certain kind of depression, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, there's something to be said about the lack of support that I had overall from my, my family. Mm -hmm. And, um, I'll eventually get to talking about coming out to my friends, but it was it was even, even then there's, there's periods, of, even though they're mostly good, it's, it's not, it's not my group. Mm-hmm. Like it's not, it's not like fellowship of a like bear group mm-hmm. where everyone's like you. It's very much you're, you're still on your own and mm-hmm. nobody knows what's going on. Yeah. Um, so I, I found, I talk about substances, occasionally be therapeutic, which is MDMA was one of those things for me, which is I, I could see, I could be close to kind of suicidal depression, Mm -hmm. uh, and, and going, I would actually bring myself to the emergency room quite often just because my anxiety was so bad and Mm -hmm. I'd be feeling kind of fight or flight, doom, doom type feelings Mm -hmm. and where I felt the most safe was at these emergency rooms. Mm -hmm. And I was also, I wasn't doing any type of self harm, Mm -hmm. but I was wanting to possibly get fast tracked on some type of list. To be able to talk to psychologists mm-hmm. or therapists of some kind. Yeah. And it would always be like, oh, yeah, you can wait six months to talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. And that's um, one of the times, though, I, I actually did get fast tracked and then started talking to somebody. So you, you <laughs> it, it was kind of beneficial a little bit at, at that time mm-hmm. to be getting somewhere. But um, what. MDMA did for me at that time It is just taking a substance you, you it is kind of um, Being able to reframe things to see that the way that you're feeling in that moment is very momentary mm-hmm. it is very situational to where it is right now mm-hmm. and all you need to do is take a pill and you can be feeling a whole lot of love for everyone around you mm-hmm. and Yourself at that time, Mm -hmm. and also be processing a lot of the pain that you're feeling at the time, which is a little bit different from taking a pill to escape. And no doubt I was taking a pill to escape Mm -hmm. a little bit at that time, but I was also trying to view it from a very positive aspect Mm -hmm. at that time. And I never saw any type of uh, living a life of just downing ecstasy every day to make myself feel better, Mm -hmm. which is. Thankfully, it didn't turn into that kind of addiction mm-hmm. at that time. But kind of kind of relating it to this whole thing is, is I would later go in, reconcile with this friend and, and we would be going to raves. And mm-hmm. uh, I remember at this time uh, going over to his house and hanging out with another friend there and we were doing E and just feeling like sexually attracted mm. to my friend here and i think i i told him for the first time that showed interest mm-hmm. in him. but i feel like without he i would have never been able to make the jump to actually uh hanging out with another guy mm-hmm. and interacting socially and yeah. there's a certain n- amount of barriers that mm-hmm. that substance helps you break down those barriers to mm-hmm. engage in that way
1: yeah, for sure. And there's there's evidence to it, too. There's evidence to back it up. There's also evidence, obviously, that some of these chemicals are harmful to people as soon as they take them, right? For sure. Like, but again, I, I have this like discussion with colleagues all the time, other social workers, and it's like, well, does everything have to be safe? Mm-hmm. And why does everything have to be safe? Mm-hmm. And who is it safe for? And who is it supposed to be safe for? And why does it have to be safe for them? <laughs> like, there's lots of questions about that, right. and... And obviously, we've got to a point where we may not have done the demonizing of these drugs, like you and I,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, but they've been demonized so long mm-hmm. that there are some people that will literally die on that hill, right? Mm-hmm. That these, these, like cannabis, we'll use cannabis for, for, for my money, that's got to be the longest running, like, joke mm-hmm. that cannabis is only criminals. And you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. that's got to be the longest running joke that nobody is taking any shit for telling that joke <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and getting the whole goddamn planet to believe in it, right? Like, for sure. So again, I, I mean, between you and me, obviously, there's no
0: issue, right? Yep. I used to uh, work for a company called Weed Maps, mm-hmm. and um, it was, I was actually part of a team that looked for, after millions of dollars of infrastructure mm-hmm. for the company. Um, uh Just in terms of like our server bills, we're spending upwards of around $100,000, $200,000 a month just on servers Mm -hmm. for for things. And it was a team of nine people looking after that things. And in that room, so many high functioning individuals Mm -hmm. and people, our meetings would be people taking bong bong rips and Mm -hmm. doing dabs and working on this infrastructure Mm -hmm. and that is such a no no in corporate, yeah corporate <laughs> culture, but some of the smartest people that I've ever worked with mm-hmm. were in that room, and it is very much kind of like this type of a mindset that these people somehow are are less than is is mm-hmm. not entirely true,
1: oh it has yeah, and th- and that I think that's a part of the demystifying or whatever we want to call it of these chemicals, right is mm-hmm. we need to get rid of the first of all the mysticism of it, like Mm -hmm. This isn't like, it's got nothing to do with like some entity up in the sky. It's Mm -hmm. everything to do with humans cultivating medicine, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like specifically for things. Mm -hmm. And of course, like any medicine, Mm -hmm. there will be people who misuse it. There will be people who um, probably learn through the process of trying these things Mm -hmm. that maybe it's not the long-term solution for them, right? For sure. And I say most people probably learn that, right? Right. There's a very small percentage of people that are like me with booze that Mm -hmm. can't drink, right? That Mm -hmm. under no circumstances should you give this animal alcohol, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not because of some mystery. It's Mm -hmm. 100% physiological. Mm -hmm. When I drink any sort of alcohol, my brain reacts in a very specific way. Mm -hmm. Do I know why that is? No. Mm -hmm. Is it because uh, generations of alcoholics in my family? Possibly. Mm -hmm. Possibly correlated to that. Who knows, right? Mm -hmm. But the truth is, and I need to know this truth, I cannot have alcohol. Mm. That's the truth for me. The other things, like life, other chemicals, the ones I haven't tried, mm. no interest. Mm-hmm. Other ones have no bearing in my life, right, in terms of that. Sure. Because nothing has affected my brain the way alcohol has affected my brain. Nothing, sure. right? Nothing that I've seen, done, or experienced mm-hmm. has had that kind of, like, um, outside of withdrawing from SNRIs,
0: sure.
1: Right. Because the withdrawal from those from those chemicals, which I'm going through right now, hmm. is maddening, right? Like mm-hmm. it's, it, it makes, it begs the question, why are these okay? And this is a thing Darcy and I were talking about. Why are these okay? Mm-hmm. But these other chemicals that have very limited side effects are still demonized, mm-hmm. right? Okay, I get it. Maybe they don't know all the side effects because they haven't been able to study it because it's been illegal and all those different things, right? Mm-hmm. And any doctor from, for a hundred years, who decided to go out on a limb and say these chemicals were good, bounce from their jobs, right? Mm -hmm. So I mean, obviously the rest of the world is looking at that like saying, well, that must not be good Mm then. Like, I mean, obviously, Ram Dass, whatever his real name was, Dick something, right? Mm -hmm. Like obviously he was broken, Mm -hmm. dude, he was fucking brilliant. <laughs> right? But because Harvard kicked him out, mm-hmm. obviously Harvard's the pillar of education and mm-hmm. morality, right? Mm-hmm. We all know that's horseshit. I don't understand why this, this like lie still kind of perpetuates itself mm-hmm. and, and not just in like society, but in like recovery circles specifically, right? Mm-hmm. Where there's recovery people that I know that still believe in the science of hundred years ago. And they, they really haven't like done a whole lot of growth. Right in terms of that, and and I know you you'll probably be able to understand this because of how religion continually perpetuates itself mm-hmm. is through ignorance. Right, is <laughs> in my mind. Obviously, faith is huge, powerful thing. Mm-hmm. I don't begrudge anyone for faith, but it's the disbelief that you must have in order to be a part of it. Right, mm-hmm. much like the disbelief in these these chemicals that are obviously demons. Right, mm-hmm. um, because of. I mean, now I just opened up a can of worms on the church because it's like, well, they're demons because we have cultures that are based on fucking Christianity. That's why they're demonized. I didn't want to simplify it like that. <laughs> My brain was like, dude, you can't avoid it. <laughs> it's part of the deal. Um, and I really think it is, right? I mean, you don't need evidence. All, you, all the evidence you need is, well, people are dying from oxies.
2: Mm-hmm. It
1: has nothing to do with psilocybin. For sure. Nothing to do with cannabis. Mm-hmm. To think that these chemicals are even remotely the same mm-hmm. is mind-boggling to me, for sure. right? And being a social worker who, I've tried to follow these rules in terms of like working with people through the years, and of course the last few years, the rules blew, blew off the bus. They're no longer on the bus anymore <laughs> because <laughs> these chemicals are here, people are using them for their own medicine, like medicines, mm-hmm. and who am I to say it's not okay, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, no one. Mm-hmm. It's perfectly okay.
0: <laughs> I have an interesting experience of in the middle of a rave at Max Bell, mm-hmm. um, just probably pretty close to peaking on ecstasy at that moment, and just having this weird moment come over me. And there's obviously I'm always watching people and observing. Maybe not so much in that moment, but there's this realization that everyone in that everyone in that stadium was a person that was just like me. And somehow our fibers of life kind of all intertwine. Mm-hmm. And we're all at this place together experiencing the same thing. Mm-hmm. And also seeing everyone as going through all the same problems and mm-hmm. and having these different experiences. And I was just like in the middle of this rave, having this like epiphany moment of like mm-hmm. how how we're all we're all the same and just a bit of empathy for everyone around me Mm -hmm. and it it is kind of like i'm not sure that's not that's not a moment of dulling things that uh, that is a a moment of the opposite is a moment Mm -hmm. of insight and empathy for everyone i i'd watch i'd watch the cops in the corner being so disgruntled for being there Mm -hmm. and in a funny way be also attracted to them because they're, they have uniforms and well, they're big they're <laughs> burly guys, but yeah. also amusingly having empathy for them having to be mm-hmm. in a, a rave at two or three in the morning and not mm-hmm. wanting to be there and having empathy for
1: for them being there. Yeah, for sure. And that's that's the the cool thing though, Josh is like that. And and some people will to their deathbed fight that that's not a real experience, right? Because. Mm-hmm there was a chemically a chemical a part of it mm-hmm. i obviously don't agree it is real when you can feel that kind of depth depth of connection
2: mm-hmm. with
1: other humans who you don't know mm-hmm. and then some other humans who might even be quote unquote technically the enemy in a rave right mm-hmm. yep. who's the enemy of fun the cops right <laughs> <laughs> so yep. so but the truth is that's a very real experience
2: mm-hmm.
1: very real right and i remember when i in my first few years of sobriety after i quit drinking Um, an old-timer said, and I won't say their name, I don't even know if they're still alive, it's been that long, Um, but it it said, I was talking about an experience I had similar, not in a rave, but it was actually, I was, uh, I had taken some mushrooms with some friends, we were down at Rec Beach in Vancouver, and I was out in the water, and these seals, like, surrounded me, and like, literally, some people who were there, like, dude, we saw you, like, sitting there and some things were bobbing in the water. They didn't know what it was because I was out too far, right? Because mm-hmm. I love the ocean and I'm not scared. So mm-hmm. I should have been scared. <laughs> so these seals, they're there, they're they're looking at me and all of a sudden I realize, whatever the reason I realized it, mm-hmm. you know, obviously if it was a different chemical, people would say, yeah, that's legit. But because it's psilocybin, mm-hmm. it must have hallucinated. Mm-hmm. It must have been made up in your brain. And I'm like, I don't know if I could make up that kind of connection. (laughs) Like, I just, I don't think I'm clever enough, right? (laughs) It was, it was that I knew without question, because they can't talk, they weren't talking to me. (laughs) I was not talking to the seals either, (laughs) but I knew without question that what they were doing was stopping me from going any further. (laughs) Why? I have no idea, but I don't want to find out, right? (laughs) And so in that moment, what I realized was it wasn't, it doesn't matter the chemical, Really, what the chemical had done was slow my shit down long enough mm-hmm. so maybe I could see something that wasn't visible,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? And who am I to discredit that, right? But this sure. old-timer did, oh my god. They had a field day. <laughs> and then, of course, at the end of it, I was just like, it changes nothing. Like, I appreciate your perspective, but it changes nothing. Mm-hmm. Because those events are way more powerful than someone's opinion, right? Sure. As to whether or not it's a legitimate spiritual experience because you are on a chemical. <laughs> I, I don't understand. <laughs> well, sorry, I do understand. Mm-hmm. It can only happen yeah. one way, Josh, and that way is through Christ, <laughs> to those people. Yep. Yeah.
0: I'm a bit of a, well, uh, no true Scotsman again, again I'll, I'll say I'm a bit of a, a true skeptic, where mm-hmm. I appreciate um, very much, I, I say, I went through antidepressant merry-go-round for a while, trying at least five or six of them, and it wasn't before another panic major, major panic attack that I I landed on one that actually made me feel I still felt normal, not mm-hmm. robotic, but it it just felt like it was turning down the volume a whole lot mm-hmm. and it was a uh, definitely lifesaver at that time mm-hmm. of course um,
1: and that was a chemical experience yeah that was a sure. life saving experience for sure
2: mm-hmm.
0: and I'm still on that antidepressant to this day mm-hmm. and I find it helpful, and I've also tried to go off it many times, and also very scary to be trying to do that, because things come rushing in, oh, and I'm not, sh- right? not sure there's, yeah. there's any safe or, or soft road off that.
1: There's no easy way, mm-hmm. there's an easier way, and mm-hmm. the easier way is to do it with a doctor, like in mm-hmm. wean off with your doctor, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm finding that out this time, because as I'm changing my med, mm-hmm. like the weaning process is a nightmare, mm-hmm. right? if I didn't have my doctor to talk to, and who had kind of prepared me for the weaning, because I haven't been in the withdrawals in years, right? Like, so he was preparing me saying, just because you're gonna feel a certain way doesn't mean that's you. What that means is, so I had to go back like a baby, right? And just, okay, tell me this, because I need to know this. Because it's not a street drug, where I know exactly what to expect from a street drug. Whereas with these things, there's just so much wrapped up in them, right? Like where it feels awful. To have them leaving. Mm. So, of course, you start feeling like you need it. For sure. But you need something. I need something, I should say, not you, but mm. I, I need something for sure because I just have no control mm. over how chemicals, balancing, and all that kind of stuff. Mm. I, I don't believe that's a moral anything. For sure. Right? Like, mm. and, um, Anyway, I'm getting off on a tangent. So, let's mm. go
0: back to you. I, I was thinking, uh, I wanted to jump back into the coming out, and I, I think there's a kind of a cool possibly a cool way to bring this all together, mm-hmm. which is, so, there, uh, just jumping back to kind of th- accepting myself as gay and then starting to come out out to people. You mm-hmm. know, in, in a weird way, I've always say very much blessing from God or uh, as, as uh, ironically uh, uh, not meaning that as possible. Um, I love <laughs> but, it. <laughs> um, I always had this Um, (laughs) guiding influence that I have, I feel like I have a good head on my shoulder Mm -hmm. that I was always knew what the right thing to be doing Mm -hmm. was. Even though everybody would be telling me, not be telling me that thing. I wouldn't have any influences telling me Mm -hmm. that's the thing I need to be doing. But once I accepted that I was gay, I knew the proper thing was to go and start telling people. no matter how hard it was, yeah, um, and that's hard. Yep, yeah. mm-hmm. for sure. Um, and it started off with my parents, and my mom's reaction <laughs> was yearly uh, eer- similar to coming out as atheist to her, mm. um, and she she was trying to figure out what she did wrong mm-hmm. in that moment. Uh, zero semblance of like, acceptance or. Mm-hmm. Or, like, that's okay, or whatever.
1: Well, she processed it how she was taught, right?
0: For sure. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, and, of course, went and started ordering all the books from Amazon on how to turn your gaze on straight.
2: <laughs> oh,
1: man. The Genesis program. <laughs> Goddamn awful shit.
0: Uh I think... Uh, or Exodus, or was there another one called Genesis? Yeah, there
1: was Genesis, there was, um, Mm. I can't remember, it was, Genesis was recent, I actually heard about it. Mm. They tried to rename it Mm. um, from conversion therapy, right? Mm -hmm. And then they got caught, because it was the same principles.
0: Yeah, and they had some presidents that were coming out later to say that they're gay and apologized of what they're doing, and then they had active presidents that were saying that we're not going to actively be seeking people out. But if Mm -hmm. they come to us, we'll accept it or keep support Mm -hmm. people. And um, my mom happened to uh, actively, or it happened to be coming across this guy named Richard Cohen. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure if you ever watched um, Jon Stewart's uh, Daily Show.
1: Occasionally, yeah, really funny guy.
0: Th- they used to do this segment called Gay Watch, mm. and they they interviewed this this guy o- on it, and his methods were um, kind of male to male bonding in a non sexual way mm-hmm. was supposed to be part of, a part of therapy, mm-hmm. um, taking like a, a racket or a bat and beating a cushion, and while screaming at the cushion dad why did you do this to me or something like that Mm. to be getting out uh anger or frustration or uh, Mm -hmm. to your your parents of course it was kind of a stereotype idea that you have an overbearing mom and a and a father that is absent was another part of Mm -hmm. his theory and that there's no such thing as uh fulfilling relationships with, with uh, same-sex, and it was always, uh, you're not able to have a fulfilling relationship, and it was always a sexual thing, and you mm-hmm. would always be doomed to pain uh, because you'd be chasing after a sexual fu- fu- fulfillment, yeah. but you'd never have a rewarding relationship.
1: Interestingly, they like to put the pain on that side of things, as mm-hmm. opposed to the pain they cause with their bullshit. <laughs> Interesting. Yep. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Sorry,
0: Please. Um, so that was where my mom went and then Mm. I told told my dad and I remember I could never I'm not uh, I'm not good at doing this impression I I never try but he tried to do the most effeminate guy impression at the time that I told him Mm -hmm. and he said is this what is that what you are and I told my dad please never do that ever again (laughs) (laughs) that was the most fucking awkward thing I oh um, I might have punched my dad if he did that, actually. I Not a physical person, but yeah. I, 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 I should have uh, possibly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't think you should have. I just think that's a, yeah, that's <laughs> one of those things where it's like, okay, now you're just like trying to get me pissed,
0: <laughs> right? And it is more so comes from his just like, just like, that's what all, all he knows of what gay people are, that's his impression of what he's been taught gay people are, mm-hmm. so uh, you just told me you're gay, so are you this thing that I think it is, Yeah. which shows how fucking ignorant you are.
1: I totally understand where he's coming from, right? But it's still, it's like, mm, I don't know, sometimes people just deserve a punch in the <laughs> face when they say <laughs> shit, right? Yeah. I mean, not that I'm going to be the puncher, because I'm not a puncher, Darcy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not today. As he writes it down. Uh, on this day and time, David said he is not a puncher. <laughs> Dude, is there a reason why the lights are flashing on this thing? Okay. Because all of a sudden I started noticing and I was like, does that mean we're running out of time? <laughs> okay, thanks, Matt.
0: Um, so, also in an amusing way, my dad would later be the one that would eventually be the one, the, m- the more sensible of the two. Mm, okay. Um, but, um, kind of just going on to my, my, my friends for a moment, I started coming out to them mm. and my, it, my best friend, I told him at the time and he actually suggested to me that it would probably not be a wise thing to do. Mm. And in an amusing way, that was out of everyone I told that was the only negative reaction mm. I ever, ever got in a way yeah, was him not su- understanding what I needed in that mm-hmm. moment or suggesting it would be a good idea
2: mm-hmm.
0: when I finally told everyone it was a non-issue nobody ever uh, defriended me mm-hmm. or or ostracized me or made fun of me or anything like that mm-hmm. um, so in in that way it was quite an affirming process and right on. and it was it was awesome
1: right on and I, I hope I'm glad you said that and I hope that my BFF is listening to this episode, which he probably will, mm-hmm. because he doesn't realize. I told him how much of an ally he was, because he was the first friend I came out to, mm-hmm. and his response was, "Okay, how can I? How can I help? Mm-hmm. What, what do you need from me?" Mm-hmm. And it was like literally, he still just doesn't understand how big that was, right? Mm-hmm. But it was like, man, I got to come out to somebody, <laughs> and I had come out to my parents, and and then, but like that, that just shows you that you can still get through it. It just takes a group of people to support you and Mm -hmm. to allow you to just kind of... And I don't don't think people who haven't been through stuff like this would understand really how important that is. That just, even just one voice, right? That says, you know what? It's okay. Mm -hmm. Right? For sure. I'm glad that you had a pretty good experience by the sound of it. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Yep.
1: Outside of your folks.
0: it, It was possibly a... Waited at enough a time where everyone's old enough mm-hmm. that I didn't try and do that in junior high or high school, yeah, and it was very much post secondary where, and that might have been just starting to be around the time where gay is it was still many years later that gay was actually like critical mass of a society accepting it to mm-hmm. be kind of a, a okay thing to be, but it, yeah mm-hmm. that might have just lended to why it was more. More beneficial at that time, or a good, good time, or it went the way I wanted it to.
1: It was probably exactly when you needed to. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Um. But it kind of went on, on from that is w- w- kind of that's where where some of the uh, I talked about my MDMA experience and my first encounter with a, a guy mm-hmm. um, being. Ironically, for my church was was uh,
1: it's ironic, uh, isn't it? <laughs>
0: uh,
1: <laughs> all those
0: straight folks.
1: <laughs> He's sorry.
0: <laughs> and he, um, I, I actually did sleepovers with uh, this uh, this guy before, during. Church time, mm-hmm. and just another thing when it comes to different glimpses or moments. I think we were wrestling one time, yeah, and there's just like a split m- moment where you just let, let your guard down for a moment, and there's some type of connection there.
2: Mm-hmm. But
0: neither of us kind of like we're trying anything, but it just a shared moment for mm-hmm. a half a second. That um, he was a little bit older, and and he probably f- feels now that uh, it, it was unacceptable for him to be doing mm-hmm. that and having having a younger person from the church sleeping over at his house mm-hmm. was uh possibly frowned upon or it wasn't frowned upon at that time but uh thinking back on what happened there is it, just an amusing thing that yeah that that experience was shared yeah no doubt um so it it so this is where I'll um, throw a wrench into everything in terms of just like uh, how much of a shit disturber I am uh, and the, where the story comes from uh, or me accepting myself and knowing, I'll, I'll say, I know what the right path forward is. Usually other people don't agree mm-hmm. that that being the right path forward, but I say it's part of me starting to accept my own trauma and how I, I combat things and mm-hmm. how I accept myself. So this individual first sexual encounter with also happened to come across um, the pastor's son's profile on a gay dating website. Mm-hmm. Um, and he shared this with me. And um, I have the worst gaydar ever. He was, the pastor's son was a bit uh, feminine presenting mm-hmm. at times. Um, but I always give people the benefit of the doubt and, and...
1: Well, we could get ourselves into trouble we start guessing.
0: Yeah. Right? Yep. Uh, hu- husbands, uh, uh, take on things as everyone's gay until they prove otherwise. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. That's fair. That's how James operates? Yep. All right. I'm going to keep my eye on him. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Till they, till they <laughs> declare otherwise, I like it. Well, it's the opposite of everyone's straight until they tell us, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then when they tell us, we're going to tell them to shut up. <laughs> <Yep>. So...
0: <laughs>
1: everyone's gay until they <laughs> prove otherwise. <laughs> Damn it, I love it.
0: So this... Um, I, I think I was kind of working in the same office as my mom... At the time, uh, this was still me finding myself, and sometimes I was doing entrepreneurial endeavors, and I just happened to share that office space with um, my mom was working for a company that was U.S.-based, and they just had a free office in their Calgary office that I would work out of. The pastor would sometimes come by to my mom's, uh, of course, heavily involved in like being bookkeeper for the church and mm-hmm. stuff, and pastor would come by to talk and stuff. So this was right around the time that I came across this knowledge that the pastor's son was on this dating website, mm-hmm. a gay website. And I then took this information. Uh, definitely outing people is not... Uh, seen as a good thing in Mm -hmm. the gay community. Um, So that is where people would take my actions and and see what I'm doing as possibly not a good thing. Mm -hmm. But how it works in my mind is this church that has actively... So maybe I should preface this with saying, so... My mom very much trying to. She she. I was not sent down to a conversion therapy camp.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Kind of like bagged up in the night and sent off somewhere. Thankfully, but th- I was asked if I wanted to go to one of these mm-hmm. things in in the states. Basically, funny enough, there was a guy that I was trying to court in in the same city that that was going on, mm-hmm. and. I actually said yes because I wanted to go meet this guy <laughs> yeah. during during like, a uh, conversion therapy. Talk about your all-time backfires. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: um,
0: so that's kind of what the church was doing. And mm-hmm. very much the pastor was actively involved in, no doubt, filling my mom's head with all sorts of bullshit of what she needed to be doing mm-hmm. to Save fi- you. fix me.
2: Yeah.
0: Um. And there was also various. The pastor would not usually give too many sermons of be actively gay bashing or anything. Mm-hmm. And when it was, it was very often very subtle. But I, I knew wh- I knew where he stood on things. Yeah. Um, and occasionally had them as Facebook friends, and they would occasionally post random shit. Mm-hmm. Um, that is not quite supporting of gay, gay Mm -hmm. stuff. Um, This was around the period of time of having an NDP government, and there was uh, a requirement of um, the faith-based schools to be posting affirming statements Mm -hmm. for uh, GSDs, uh, being allowed to have students who want to form a GSD able to do that. And also there were specific um, kind of books, uh, welcoming statements mm-hmm. that were supposed to be handed out to students, basically saying that, um, they are accepted in this school in mm-hmm. any type of diversity. But there was very specific faith-based schools that were saying, um, we believe that, um, uh, God created men and women and mm-hmm. there's only one very specific way of, uh, that you should be existing in mm-hmm. this world and be acceptable in mm-hmm. God's eyes. And uh, the NDP government was drawing issue with some of these schools. Mm. So both, so my older brother was starting to post, he, he's now, he went to Bible school, he's a pastor, and he's part of this church as well. Mm. Um, he was posting stuff about how he's for diversity, for the but for a specific kind of di- He wasn't saying this, but I was paraphrasing for him. He's for a specific kind of diversity where churches can discriminate against gay people. And that's the kind of diversity that he wants. And he was speaking out against this article. Mm. I was starting to call bullshit on him. Mm -hmm. But also the pastor was posting the same bullshit around that Mm -hmm. time. Um, So very much that is kind of the messaging I'm getting from my family, my church, Um, also my, um, I, I would have bringing, be bringing James around my husband to family. Like we, we always used to get together on Sundays, Mm -hmm. Sundays as a, as a family. Um, usually after church, me not going for a number of years, but we would still go Mm -hmm. after and hang out as a family. Um, but Um, Me and my brother were working at the same company um, at the time and he came to me and said, do you want to go for coffee after work? And he says to me during that coffee, um, so when, when we were going home one day on Sunday, one of his kids gave James a hug. And he said, I'm starting to see that my kids are very impressionable at this age and um, I'm worried that they're going to interpret your relationship with James as being something that is a normal or acceptable thing.
1: Jesus, man,
0: <laughs> I'm sorry, dude. Um, but it's 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 kind of like um, he, he said, uh, well, uh, we're not coming to Chris or we're not coming to Sunday dinners anymore. Um, And as long as James is there. Mm. And then he would then later encourage me to come to events and Uh to not bring James. Mm -hmm. In my mind, I'm like, how shitty of a fucking person do you have to actually be to utter those words to somebody and not understand the weight of what you're telling them? Mm -hmm. Um, And that, that just goes to speak to certain kind of beliefs. And mm-hmm. people can embody those beliefs in a way that they don't actually know what they're saying to people. Mm-hmm. And, and they, they, they're they treating you as second-class citizens and they see your relationship with, or his relationship mm-hmm. his, with his wife on a whole different level than my relationship with James. Mm-hmm. And it's like, at, at what point- That's such horseshit. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> at what <laughs> level would it be like, yeah, you can come to a thing, just don't bring your wife. Mm-hmm. Like, is is that anything, like, would be a normal thing that you would say to a brother?
1: No, I think we would notice that we would know there's something wrong if they mm-hmm. said that. Yeah. yeah. Don't bring your wife? Well, let's talk about that.
0: And <laughs> it's like one thing if the wife is like, that shit crazy, mm-hmm. always causing problems, but that's not how things are.
1: James is not like that. <laughs> also,
0: we would be going out of our way, like... I, I never kissed James in front of my mm-hmm. parents or my family ever once. Occasionally, I might have my hand on his knee or something, but not too much public displays of affection mm-hmm. going on. And um, even that's
1: I, kind of rotten if you think about it.
0: And it always right? rubbed me the wrong yeah. way that I felt subconscious of, mm-hmm. of just like why am I having to navigate this? Yeah. Um, but it it just goes to to the way that there's the double standard that mm-hmm. is there and you don't really know know what's mm-hmm. it's not talked about. So can yeah, I reach- definitely
1: not. Mm-hmm. It's definitely not talked about. Not addressed from that perspective mm-hmm. of empathy or compassion, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. To, to realize like you said, to realize what it is we're saying mm-hmm. when we say that. Like mm-hmm. we're like we're saying and to go back, another thing you said. I'm sorry. I wanted to jump in, but then I didn't want to interrupt you. But when you were talking about how some people who are, um, I guess, embody that that perspective, that Christianity, that specific kind of Christianity, um, they don't even know they're doing it.
2: Because
1: I heard someone make like almost verbatim do a sermon in a group, and I was just like, really? Like you don't understand how that hurts me. When you say those things, that there's there's only love from God with a man and a woman. Like I said, even though I don't necessarily believe in your God, it still hurts me to hear you say that because I know what you're saying, right? And it was like, and then other people in the room also knew what he was saying because it was like, <clears throat> I don't know, something shook the cobwebs loose. And and all of a sudden, like, people in the room were like, oh, yeah, like, that does say that. like, And then you realize... Most people are so enmeshed in the belief, Mm -hmm. they forget what it is they're passing on, right? For sure. They forget those messages. Anyway, sorry.
0: That, that, uh, um, again, I I want to return to that in a second. Mm -hmm. It very much has to do with processing trauma and framing things. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. I'll I'll first get through this this idea of talking and bringing this forward to the pastor Mm -hmm. with this with with the full weight of how I've been treated by this family being mm-hmm. treated as broken being um, told I need to be fixed mm-hmm. and all these things so I now bring this up to the pastor and what I'm thinking or my my frame of mind is and very much the pastor's family is kind of like the blueprint of like that's the that's the, that's the Idealic vision of what a Christian family is supposed to be. We're doing all the right things.
1: They're passing that message along anyway.
0: Yeah, and yeah. and they're supposed to be the ambassadors to this. Yeah. Thing. So then, to have, after sending the messaging to me that I'm broken, I need fixing. It, I'm being like, so mm-hmm. why is your son on a gay dating website? That's what I'm thinking. So mm-hmm. first of all, first of all, I bring it up to him, and I say your son's profile is on this website. Um, And uh, naively naively at the time, I'm trying to say, yeah, please don't, please don't um, use this Mm -hmm. information to hurt him and accept. Of course, he's not gonna fucking do that. He's gonna send him off to conversion therapy camp, which is what he did. Mm -hmm. Um, But he came back to me and he actually verified that that his son admitted to being on that site Mm -hmm. and posting that profile. In an amusing way, he did not post the words that were on that profile because it was possibly uh not the most uh um thing that you want your dad reading yeah no doubt <laughs> um, so that
1: sounds complicated
0: yeah. mm-hmm. um, so kind of leave that off there for a while and I, i'm 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 very much saying. You are telling me I'm broken, but your your own son is doing this. How do, how does this happen? Mm-hmm. And of course, at no point do I actually think that son, there's something broken in that family. Like possibly there are broken things in that family, but sure. he can be gay just because he's gay. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean anything or, or Nothing anything. Nothing necessarily happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah but of course in their frame of thinking or their their mm-hmm. world view you have to have a broken family that you have a son that is acting that way mm-hmm. and i'm i'm basically pointing yeah. why is your son that way if is your your family broken can we talk about this mm-hmm. um, and eventually whenever people would be my own family would be telling me i'm broken i would then point to son there mm-hmm. why it came later during this time Thanks, that um, I, during these social media posts, I basically say, um, "He deleted my posts and stuff." When I started questioning him on the, on these things, mm-hmm. and says, um, "And and then I respond back to him in a message saying." Your son is gay, mm-hmm. and then he comes back at me and says, "How how dare you say this b- about gay people? They're a protected minority group. You can't be going and accusing people mm-hmm. of being gay, mm-hmm. and it makes no 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 sense in what is actually going on here. And mm-hmm. I'm really, I'm just promoting a conversation to be talking about these things mm-hmm. and being able to accept myself at the at that time. Yeah." And I would actually go on because I would be so shut down by my own family and the own church, always brushing that under the Mm -hmm. table. I actually created a website that very much spelt everything out. And I put that forward in a very public way. Mm -hmm. Um, And I actually had the police come to my door because the church had then um, said, I am harassing this person Mm. And I, I have the intention to hurt this person um, and if I didn't remove the website, I was going to be charged with criminal harassment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I took the, d- the website down for a little bit and amusingly, this around kind of COVID time, pastor um, was broadcasting sermons on on kind of Facebook. Anyone can watch them. I go and watch the sermon, and he's very much doing a kind of a victory dance of God removing this website Mm -hmm. and um, very much um, God is the ultimate judge, and uh, we don't, we've already repented for our sins, so we don't need to be talking about this thing. God is the person in the end who ultimately is the person who is the one that will be uh, judging things. So mm. it, I very much see possibly my own website during that time kind of was making circles mm. in in the church and the pastor felt the, the need to be speaking to this possibly. And that's where that sermon was directed mm. at that time. But the pastor made a whole bunch of insinuations of uh, there is somebody being led by the devil that is going on mm-hmm. to be, pointing at this thing and is kind of like in a very annoying way is kind of like I'm always the devil is always getting credit for my own actions and mm-hmm. what what kind of credit do I get for actually doing <laughs> anything here?
1: You're
0: like I made the
1: fucking website. <laughs> yeah. Sorry.
0: So I actually <laughs> I actually brought the website back up mm-hmm. and then I spoke to all the different things in a sermon that are speaking to him addressing this website Mm -hmm. on the very website that he thought that he got taken down by as a result of getting the police to come Mm -hmm. pay me a visit and feeling like, I also get my dad sending me an email saying these people depend on their livelihoods or their reputation to be making a living Mm -hmm. and you going and creating a website like this is threatening their livelihood and they're gonna see you into a Bolivian mm-hmm. take down the website. That is kind of where my own family's at. Mm-hmm. Um, and o- over everything, I stick to my my guns on everything, and I continue doing what I'm doing, mm-hmm. just regardless. Um, I actually arranged a police, or uh, uh, a visit again with the, p- the same police that came to to uh, pay me a visit. And I said I wanted to know a result of what was going on with this av- investigation. Um, and just to speak to some of their behavior showing up at my door. Mm-hmm. And it was very much amusingly on the Calgary Police Twitter, they're talking about there's an in- increased incident of online harassment going on. It's very, it's very important that we know Uh, when spreading online information, that that the information is factual. Oh, that was important at some point. (laughs) I had no idea, because you wouldn't know
1: by the internet.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, And that you're not spreading misinformation about other people. Mm -hmm. Me going to the pastor and, and very much telling him that I saw this profile and him coming back and verifying to me that this happened is him very much verifying that, like, why would he make up the story that his son is posting this mm-hmm. stuff if it, if it didn't actually happen? So he, mm-hmm. he verified to me yeah. at that that happened. So that is a little bit bad on his part. I would have trouble this day if he didn't do that. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't say, like, there's no, we, we don't know if he his son is actually gay or not mm-hmm. to this day. I don't know that. Yeah. But we can still talk about that incident happening. Mm-hmm. And if God did happen to turn his gay son straight, that is something they praise Jesus, like mm. we get to, that can be part of his story. That's where our he, evidence. He gets to go, go around mm-hmm. and, and then uh, tell a story to other people about the power of God and how the power of God can help fix gay people. But gay that, out. That, that, that's not what they're doing. Yeah. They're sweeping it under the table. They mm-hmm. don't want to talk about that. Mm -hmm. And that it's like a blemish that they would rather pretend never happened.
1: Well, it's easier that way than to change your whole theology, Mm -hmm. right? And that's what they'd have to do. They'd have to admit, first of all, they were fucking wrong, right? That they were ignorant, Mm -hmm. and that they were like malicious in a lot of ways. Then the churches won't do that. I mean, Jesus, they haven't even admitted they're malicious in terms of residential schools. Mm -hmm. So there's no none of that stuff's coming anytime soon. Mm -hmm. Like the church is just going to be like, meh, fuck you guys, Mm like. We've got enough people that believe in us, we don't need your shit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, what a, what a nightmare, man. Mm-hmm. What a nightmare. And then you have the Gestapo showing up, right? Like mm-hmm. the, which reminds me that in North America, or probably most places in the world, if you arrest a preacher, like you're going straight to hell. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I told you, probably not, because we haven't really talked, but mm-hmm. back when, what was the name of that douchebag here in town that got arrested? The cops, like, literally they had video of them taking him in handcuffs. Mm. Oh, I,
2: can't
1: remember. I can't remember his name, but anyway, I got messages from my some of my friends down south mm. who were like, what's happening in Canada? My God, you're arresting preachers. Mm. And I was like, that guy's a douchebag. <laughs> like, that guy is a hate monger. Mm. Like, you have no idea. I mean, you can't hide these things forever now, <laughs> right? Because mm-hmm. people are coming out and letting us know who they are. For sure. Yeah, interesting. Shitty shit, man. Um,
0: So, it's also using different tactics that they're using Mm -hmm. along the way to get my website shut down Mm -hmm. is the language that they're using to send to the providers of the websites that are being hosted. Yeah. They have no problem lying about what they're doing Mm -hmm. or or what what they're saying is kind of like a means to an end.
1: They never have had a problem with that. Mm
0: -hmm. Right?
1: Like, yeah
0: I, I always I always think that there should be like you are wanting to pretend like you're led by God mm-hmm. and you're doing these things that should be and that's actually something that was in a speech mm-hmm. or the pastor's sermon should we lie about things to get things to 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 fix something mm-hmm. like and and then of course the pastor goes and rationalizes about how we don't lie about things. Mm-hmm. But it was actually saying that we do, but it's all kind of yeah pastor speak, anyways. It is. It's
1: like snake oil salesman, yep. right? Like it's all. It sounds like to me is just a bunch of shit.
0: Yep. gotta be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, we go and meet again with the police, and they they with tails between their legs have mm-hmm. to admit that this this investigation or har- harassment has been dropped, mm-hmm. and um that is is kind of like when you guys showed up at the door did you have any any interest in trying to verify if any of this information was correct Mm -hmm. that i was saying on that website if i'm the things that i'm saying on that website are correct um and i'm just speaking to the events that happened Mm -hmm and not making any type of insinuation mm-hmm. of what this person is or isn't.
1: Simply can, that they were on this site, that's yep. it. Their picture
0: was. Yep. Yeah. Um, then, you, 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 as per your um, social media post, ensuring things are factual, it's important to get those things right. Is that how you behaved when you showed up at the door and said, you better take this down mm-hmm. or else you're going to be charged criminally? Um, and, of course, it, that cop was a, quite a good poker player mm. in never revealing, but he mm. had a slight handshake that was possibly revealing mm. that he was slightly anxious in that moment. But um,
1: Well, I mean, the community has had a very difficult relationship with law enforcement, right? <laughs> and that's law enforcement's fault, 100% of the time.
0: There, there was an awkward moment during with the, his first vi- visit there of saying, I don't know what it's like to be a gay person and trying to show some type of empathy and then just like butchering it after. Yeah, <laughs> like, and
1: then just going into a homophobic rant, basically.
0: Yeah, or, or basically saying, I don't know what it is. He was basically saying, I don't understand it, so I I can't help you there, yeah. which is it's normally like it should be, I, I, I can't understand it, but I'm going to try and have empathy for where you're coming from and try and see how I can help. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That would be useful. Yeah. Um, (sighs) God damn, man. (laughs) Sorry. So uh, usually my family just sees me as a shit disturber these days and I push that issue Mm -hmm. and and, uh, a lot of them have just um, like it it came to a point where I had, I had a a seen how they would treat James Mm -hmm. and stuff kind of, for the longest time I didn't have that website around or it wasn't going that direction. It was Mm -hmm. only after seeing the continued damage of my family and them making no progress Mm -hmm. that I'm like, I'm going to finally like shit hit the fan Mm -hmm. on this issue and uh, show what kind of not intentionally trying to cause damage, but just kind of like ignoring Josh might not be the best strategy going forward for this. Mm. Um, and that was a little bit of my therapy was going through that, that, mm-hmm. that process. Um,
1: hundred percent, I would yeah. definitely help.
0: Yeah. Uh, when people hear about this website and it, it, there's so much stuff going on is uh, the, the actual intentions of what, what my intentions are, mm-hmm. what it, what is helping for me or actually creating a dialogue. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's actually that useful. Mm-hmm. Um, or. People have trouble seeing it, so I don't think I'm gonna create too much meaningful change that that way. But I always, I did actually have one person from that used to go to this person's church many years ago write me and thank me for the website mm-hmm. and say, um, I, "What you're seeing is not just yourself, and this this mm-hmm. person is a narcissist, and mm-hmm. m- many other things," and just went on to describe their experience. But there's also the idea that maybe there's a gay kid in that church mm-hmm. uh, that is growing up and maybe this is just a, a, p- a ping on their radar that might help them recognize that there's another way of seeing the world mm-hmm. be- beyond the programming yeah. there but it is a little bit of a 30 35 40 person incestuous mm-hmm. little church cult church there that th- there's also how much meaningful change am i making mm-hmm. in the world can be uh, n- but, m- there's better ways to be sen-
1: maybe sen- may- for sure maybe there are maybe, you're, yeah. you're probably right. However, this this always re- this reminds me of any people or person who has been persecuted for any amount of time by anyone will be fucking angry, right? Yeah. And so here's the thing about this is the same thing I'm learning about the indigenous like rights, the things that are lacking that we've taken away, like our governments have taken away. Mm-hmm. It's the same idea. How do we honestly expect people not to be angry? Like and, and then to have them be angry and then tell them to shut up, right? Like you don't have a right to that. You can't be angry. It's you have to understand when you push people for a long period of time, they get angry. Now, some of those people will stand up and be considered troublemakers, right? Or whatever, and that's fine, because that's how we diminish, that's how we minimize what they're doing. We call them troublemakers, and all of a sudden they're not relevant. Mm-hmm. We call them terrorists, and they're not relevant, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what our government has called indigenous people in this country. Terrorists, mm-hmm. God damn it, for standing up for themselves, right? Mm-hmm. And how do we, how could we possibly expect people not to be angry?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And not to do things that express that anger in as healthy a way, I mean, obviously, we hope it's in a healthy way, okay? I am a reasonable person. I want it to be healthy. For everybody, it's not always possible, okay? I'm also a realist. <laughs> Sometimes, people need to hear that they're fucking assholes. Sometimes, they just need to hear that. Because that might be the only thing that gets through that, like, we were talking about earlier, that that pocket of belief, that silo they live in, because they believe in this thing Therefore, nobody has a right to be angry at us. Because look at us—we're loving, right? Mm-hmm. Like I think it's bullshit.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I call it bullshit <laughs> because if you're going to make people angry, you better be goddamn ready for their anger, for sure. right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's not okay for you to say, "Okay, we understand you're mad, mm-hmm. okay, but suck it up." Mm-hmm. That's all we've been doing is sucking it up. It's just—it never sits well with me mm-hmm. when people who are angry get told to shut up, mm-hmm. right? When and don't get me wrong. None of us are really comfortable with people's anger. Part of the problem is because we've told people they shouldn't be angry. Mm-hmm. So none of us know how to like be in a room with people who are angry, right? We just get scared or we get um, quiet and and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. What we really need is to be shook up, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And however we do that. And, and don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that what you do or in terms of that website is is great. I've never seen it, right? So. Mm-hmm. But what I do, what I understand just from our conversation is that that was an expression of pain that could not be expressed any other way mm-hmm. in that circumstance, for sure. based on all of the other attaching things. Mm-hmm. Does it make it right? I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's not for me to decide. You know whether it feels right in your heart, right? For sure. and, and the people who are involved in that, dude, you're not attacking people mm-hmm. when you're doing that. What you're going after is the theology
2: mm-hmm. that
1: these people are maintaining. Mm-hmm. Okay, so look, if you want to be maintaining that, mm-hmm. that's cool, good for you. You better be ready for the gunshots, for sure. right? If you're going to stand up and say, this is right, that we have nothing, we're not doing anything wrong, we're not lying about nothing, we're not hiding nothing, mm-hmm. right? Then you better be ready when people call you on that bluff, for sure. because most people are hiding shit. Mm-hmm. None of us have had a perfect life, mm-hmm. right, where we all say the right thing all the time. So sorry, I didn't mean to go off on that tangent, but it's no, like, no, it's just people have a right to be angry, man. You have a right to be mad. For sure. Yeah. And to process it and mm-hmm. heal for yourself,
2: right?
0: Yeah. I, I think I, I talk about having this voice inside of me that's telling me what I need to do and doing all these things, but I, I see. Um, kind of not people having trouble understanding my motives or understanding what I'm trying to get at and Mm -hmm. um, it not always being clear about what is going on. And I actually, I won't say I lost my relationship with my younger brother over over this thing, but um, um, it it might have been around this. And my younger brother was actually the more supporting of Mm -hmm. the family the entire time. We had a hard time growing up. Mm -hmm. as kids, and we fought, but then we patched things up later, and Mm -hmm. things, he actually stood up for, stood up for me at my wedding, he appeared awkward Mm -hmm. at the moment, and uh, I think he still had a bit of processing to do, Mm -hmm. but he was making, making efforts, and, that's important, and progressing, Mm -hmm. but it, it came to this issue, and him not understanding, or, us getting around to talk about these things, and mm-hmm. he th- he saw me as as uh, being vindictive and mm-hmm. uh, and out there to cause pain. I uh, can see how
1: people might see that if they're on that other side of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: and it's unfortunate that um, the ease his his way of processing that was rather than having a conversation, he then started digging up all the ways that he could rationalize me being a. a shitty person, mm-hmm. like, missing his kid's birthday parties, uh, when I went mm-hmm. to a rave one, one year, <laughs> and it happened to be the first birthday party, and I had mm-hmm. tickets, and, uh, it just happened to be that one time, yeah. but I was like, he never told me about that at that time, but later then he, he starts talking about how this, uh, this event, rather than talking about, rather than talking about the thing mm-hmm. of the actual event. He's, he's bringing up these rationale of mm-hmm. why we don't need to be talking to each other mm-hmm. anymore. But yeah, it's too bad, man. That's
1: i got two brothers, and I'm very grateful they haven't done that to me. Mm. Yeah.
0: That was actually, out of anything that has ever gone on in my family, that was unfortunately the, the most hurtful yeah. relationship that I, I feel like I've lost. Mm.
1: Hopefully, hopefully there's more to it in time, but you just never know, right? It's yep. unfortunate.
0: Yeah. Um, and
1: hopefully you don't feel like you have to change to make that happen
0: because no, that, that I am, business, a, I uh, have definitely a lot of self integrity that I don't, I don't think that would mm. be an issue, but, um, it, it, it is, I, I the t- topic that I, I kept on alluding to that I eventually wanted to get to, and this is framing, f- framing trauma mm-hmm. and, and coming to terms with things. All the things that we've talked to up until now have been certain ways that I've gone about things to help myself Mm -hmm. and work through things. There's another way that is possibly one of the most beneficial ways that I've found, at least, of dealing with my trauma and Mm -hmm. working through my trauma that that does originate from Buddhist thought. And um, it is this um idea uh, buddhist buddhist theory is is such that we have an ego and our the ego is that we have a story that we tell ourselves Mm -hmm. about how we fit into the world who we are that we are actually an individual going about this world and experiencing this world that is one and the same from our consciousness Mm um and When people tell us about, tell us hurtful things, it is that ego that is getting hurt. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, when we we need to, as part of the practice of Buddhist thought of recognizing and seeing what that ego is, we are able to recognize that our consciousness in any given moment is actually separate from that thing, Mm -hmm. which is our ego. Uh, when it comes to specific, specific kinds of trauma that is occurring that I have to the process and deal with, it is seeing that I'm actually trying to fix, that is not me that I'm trying to fix. Mm-hmm. That is that embodiment of who I think I am that I'm trying to mm-hmm. fix in that moment. Um, And I I, I can see that everyone else in this world is going about life the very same way they also have these egos. Mm -hmm. And the way in which they have been brought up, their own life experiences, um, Mm -hmm. chance, dumb luck, um, where you happen to be born on this planet, Mm -hmm. all go to form these ego identities. Mm -hmm. And whether you're born into a Christian worldview, the way that you go about the world, you think you're doing good things and you're doing good things because you're you are you're trying to nourish that ego in a way that says, I'm going to turn my gay son straight because that is what the good, good person, good mother will be doing mm-hmm. to, to be helping my son the best way I know how to in that moment. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to the different ways that I've been hurt, Growing up in that family, mm-hmm. I have to recognize that, that there was no, even through all this, there is no ill will
2: mm-hmm.
0: on any of them
2: mm-hmm.
0: to intentionally cause this pain to me, even though it has.
1: Yeah, because it's just a result of the practices, right? Yep. Of those old practices.
0: Um, and w- back to ringing the bell, mm-hmm. when I experienced the different... Trauma that I've experienced, and I get angry about the way that people have treated me throughout this process i I can get angry to say, How could they have done this to me mm-hmm. in that time? when the answer is quite clear when thinking about things in this term these terms is they are doing these things to me because they think they're doing the best thing as possible.
1: It's the only thing they know how to do,
0: yeah, yeah, so the most profound thing that you can do is in moments of anger is what does it mean to have empathy for the very people that are causing you pain in these moments what does it mean to be even though they've done some of the most shitty things possible what does it what does it mean to actually be accepting that moment as it as it happened Mm -hmm. there's nothing that i could have done differently and there's nothing that they could have done differently in that moment Mm -hmm. um sure they can evolve later as people to become better people just like we might yeah for sure and recognize that the things that they did back then were Mm -hmm. not good but in terms of me framing that moment in time and that trauma in time Mm -hmm. it is up to me to say Um, that is who they were. Mm -hmm. It's for me to have empathy, to have, uh, it is actually very sad that they are living their lives in that way, thinking Mm -hmm. that is a good way to, for them to be going about life. Mm -hmm. And they will be missing out on all the joys and insight into a life that is more, Mm -hmm. uh, conscientious of other people around them, not causing damage to other people around them. Mm-hmm. And I can only, by having empathy for who they are and recognizing that is what they are, I can then take away the sting of of, recognizing them being specifically malicious to me in that moment, mm-hmm. to saying, they could do no better and that's what they are mm-hmm. and then i can no longer think about though that situation in terms of feeling like i'm I, i'm being hard done by in that moment and being picked on mm-hmm. in that moment and it allows me to no longer ring the bell in the, in that way mm-hmm. and it's a I, I say it now like it's a matter of fact thing. Actually, embodying what what that empathy mm-hmm. actually feels like is not an easy process, mm-hmm. and it 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 is a process of first of all recognizing what what that ego actually is, and mm-hmm. that can only done be done by meditation practice, and r- recognizing the difference between our consciousness and our ego, mm-hmm. and starting to recognize how our ego plays plays a role in how we're. We interpret our, our lives from a moment.
1: Yeah, hundred mm-hmm. percent. It's interesting because that that old uh, I say old because there are some <laughs> some people that I know who are have been around the rooms of like twelve step rooms for a long time. Mm-hmm. They think mindfulness is a brand new thing, um, <laughs> and they've never like understood what meditation is, even though they think they do. Um, mm-hmm. Also, the concepts though have gone into the. Um, very effective means of reframing, which is cognitive behavioral therapy. Mm-hmm. So there's very much like psychological outcomes or treatments that we can use to do exactly what you're talking about. Try to reframe these traumas, right? Mm-hmm. We see them for, okay, like, and this was something that that can happen in, we can find that path in many different ways, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I appreciate the the Buddhist way, lots of non-judgment and lots of things that, that, that are part of that philosophy. Mm-hmm. Um, And to know that that has probably contributed to some of these movements now in Mm. terms of cognitive behavioral therapy, Mm -hmm. right? Where Mm -hmm. these things are all connected somehow, right? Because the philosophy, people—if you tell young people today that our laws are based on Judeo-Christian ideas—they're going to tell you you're fucking crazy. Mm. They don't realize that there's never been a separation of church and state, even though that's what the governments want us to think, Mm. right? It's never been separate. The people who are in power are either spiritual or religious. They have some background. For the most part, it comes out when they're asked, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so this has just not been a reality, the separation of these things. And, and once they're separate, though, then we'll, I think more people would be able to see just how there are many paths to that same place. Mm-hmm. What we're trying to do is reframe our emotional memories to more resemble the actual memory. Right? Because I don't know how much um, you listen about psychology and all that kind of stuff, but apparently memory is our worst function mm-hmm. of our brain. So, if that's the truth, which I believe it is, because I know mine's terrible, mm-hmm. but I also know that emotion gets in the way
2: mm-hmm.
1: of remembering the facts. For sure. Right? Because we remember how we feel, you mm-hmm. know? And that I think, where that Buddhist philosophy of reframing just comes in so um, handy. For sure. Right? to reframe it in a, in a way that's non-judgmental, mm-hmm. right? That's non-like, and this this happened to me in the first few years of, of after I quit drinking was in terms of my abusers, right? Like, I was able to come to a place where I had empathy, mm-hmm. where I realized they were, must have been sick. Like, how sick do you have to be to do that to a mm-hmm. kid? You've got to be super sick, right? For sure. And the, the social worker in me, the adult in me, realized, holy shit, these people were sick. Right? Mm-hmm. I'd always thought they were monsters because that's what I was told. Mm. They're monsters. We don't, you don't talk about it because they're monsters. Mm-hmm. The reality is they're humans
2: mm-hmm. who
1: are sick. Right? Who are sick in ways that we don't understand. Mm. Right? And, and so that even that kind of empathy, doesn't mean I was okay with what they did, but that's not the process.
0: Mm-hmm. The
1: process isn't to convince yourself you're fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the process is to convince yourself of the truth. For sure. And it may kick your ass first. Because sometimes the truth needs to do that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I just think it's fascinating how many different pathways to that reframing that we can take, right? Mm -hmm. And for me, meditation is part of that, like a hundred percent. We just started this group again two weeks ago. Every week we meet and do a meditation. We did it every Thursday night. Mm -hmm. And uh, it has absolutely reconnected to that reframing process, right? Even though I'm going through these fucking withdrawals with these meds, it's like that still works to a certain extent, right? It doesn't change everything, like me being antsy and asking about the lights and like bugging Darcy, that's totally my brain, right? Like, I mean, I'm always bugging him, but this is just a new, I'm just noticing it as we're going, I'm just like, oh my God, like, I am seeing him do this and I don't always see it happen. Because it's not, yeah, it's it's so raw, right? Anyway, back back to your story. I'm sorry.
0: No, I I think we're almost full circle. And I think I, we,
1: I, yeah, it feels like that. Eh? And
0: and and really coming to that reframing, I, I I think I talk about sometimes having certain things that I was born with that have guided me. I've always. I've always been aware of some uncomfortable truths, mm-hmm. and even when it came to Christianity, there's this idea that around that time, of being expected that I'm I'm, I'm a Christian, and I, I I did fully embody that I was a, cri- a Christian at mm-hmm. one point, but I was having doubts at that time, wanting to verify things, but it it done, does get to a point where you have to. Question: Whether everything your parents have told you and everything you knew this entire life mm-hmm. have possibly been a lie. Mm-hmm. There's a certain amount of pain in that, where it's not an easy process to uh, take the truth as it as it is. Mm-hmm. And I've always been one that somehow I run towards the uncomfortable thing, and mm-hmm. that has been the thing that has uh guided me to greener pastures mm-hmm. is by running towards the painful thing because yeah. you're you're having to deal with your emotions and mm-hmm. what you're feeling rather than burying it or um, and even though there has been substance abuse in my past, mm-hmm. uh eventually I get to the place where I'm still dealing with the pain rather than running away from it. Mm-hmm. Um and even, even though uh, there are many, many, many paths to getting to a, a place that is good and mm-hmm. things with the website or telling my fr- my friends and my parents about being gay, that is part of the path to getting to a good mm-hmm. place. But then it's kind of like, what does it mean to be attacking this from a multi, multi-pronged approach? And that is... Buddhist frame a way of reframing things and looking mm-hmm. at people as part of the journey as well of, of being a healthy person, mm-hmm. and you bring those all together and hopefully, and not hopefully you do end up at a good place mm-hmm. in the, in the end because you've done the work and you've you've gotten well,
1: yeah and whether it's a good place like that other people see as a good place or just a good place for you right mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. that you feel content. Maybe
0: whole.
2: Maybe I'd a little say more objectively,
0: whole. it is a good place because you are not actively causing Pain. harm and in, mm-hmm. in, in, in acting out in various ways, and you are, you have accepted yourself as who you are. That's what I'm getting and,
1: at right there. Yeah.
0: And and one of the most interesting things I always uh, lies that I, I always thought of as a kid and as a museum, we always tell our we always tell our, our kids you can you can be anything you want to be and you can mm-hmm. do. In, a, in an amusing way except for this
1: this this <laughs> this and this.
0: Yeah. <laughs> in, in an amusing way i i i i find that life is actually learning about who you are mm-hmm. and accepting who you are and you have certain strengths that you're born with that mm-hmm. are 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 talents that and you get to discover that thing you get to embrace that thing mm-hmm. if you're there, there's kind of like different periods where you can move towards things that you're not good at, and you'll be only so good as improving on that thing mm-hmm. as you're humanly available to be, but you're not ever gonna be amazingly excellent mm-hmm. at that thing as somebody who had that talent to be that thing. Mm-hmm. When it comes to being your your um, your sexual identity, I didn't choose to, uh, like burly math teachers. Mm-hmm. That That is just my programming. You discovered it. Yeah. So yeah. it's, it's kind of like people are, are telling you and trying to tell you that you are a broken person because of that thing. Mm-hmm. But that thing is who you are. And as long as you're running away from who you are or people are telling you that you should be wa- whatever you want to be, like if your body's telling you that, Everything is telling you that you're a certain way. Embrace that thing, mm-hmm. and that is where peace is. Is to, mm-hmm. to, to move into who you are. Yeah, yeah,
1: I agree, hundred percent. And it's uh, it's interesting you talk about uh, bringing James around the family was tough. That's something that I've thought about now for the first time in my life was bringing a man around my family, right? And because um, I actually dated a man for the first time in my life it, this past summer, and it was amazing for me right mm-hmm. like an amazing discovery again it was mm-hmm. not so much as um, I knew this was going to happen it, I had no idea like mm-hmm. to be honest no clue that I would connect in such a very intimate way mm-hmm. with a man in that way and it was beautiful right and it felt mm-hmm. beautiful like mm-hmm. I felt beautiful and mm-hmm. it was like I was finally being myself but of course there were those questions like well what's gonna happen right like if I mm-hmm. and then I just I simply said you know what I don't know what'll happen. It'll probably be weird. Yeah. But weird's okay, right? Like, it's okay to get through weird. I mean, and the only thing weird about it will be the fact that they just never seen it before. That's it. It's not going to be because they secretly think that I should be something else. Not anymore. I think they've given up the ghost. <laughs> <laughs> I think they've come to terms with the fact that, first, the thing is, I don't want children, right? Mm. Second thing is, I like men. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's lots more in between that, but that's just, I'm narrowing it down for... Um, for the sake of simply not talking about every fucking thing on my mind, um, which is a lot, because I am i don't have the same um, management of my mental faculties as I usually do. Um, so there's a lot of swimming around in there. Mm-hmm. However, what you said about being your authentic self, I think, is imperative. Whoever that authentic self is, mm-hmm. right? And sometimes, we're not always going to know that, mm-hmm. until we discover it. Like whether it's the math teacher, or whatever it is we discover, right? We won't know until we see it.
0: For sure. And there's all sorts of uh, cultural norms mm-hmm. that will be telling us that um, our authentic selves are wrong mm-hmm. or not acceptable. And it is... Wait,
1: what? Oh.
0: Okay, <laughs> yeah, keep going. It is is kind of... Um, it's for you to fight against those things and to journey that path in spite of what people are telling mm-hmm. you is wrong or broken and to challenge those norms and to be in a a, a place of curiosity about yourself is where you, where you venture to that. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Right on. Again, thank you so much, Josh, for coming on and and talking with me. I, I really appreciate you putting up with my shit too. So thank you. There's no shit to put up with. Right on. Thank you. (laughs) Cool.